Hey, 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 family. This is your man back on the air with another broadcast in a different format this time. That's right. That's right. It's your boy, brother, black one here with the first strong podcast. That's right. Long overdue. I apologize, fam. I'm supposed to have been done this or have that's Ebonics been done this a long time ago. Um, but things the way they go, they don't work out like they do. You have aspirations of doing it, but God is always on time and nevertheless, I'm here. Um, and for those people who are not familiar with who I am, but the people who are familiar with my, uh, YouTube channel, I have to do the due diligence and I have to, yes, for the people who don't know me, give them the who, what, when, why, where, and how. So off of the very top, my name is Rob Gregg, AKA brother black one, AKA the relationship guy. And my primary focus and goal is to help people make the right educated decision as it pertains to mate selection and mate attraction. Now, how did I become Brother Black One? How did this happen? Well, as everybody says, I come from humble beginnings. Like, nah. So basically, um, to give you background about myself, uh, background about myself, I was born in Washington, D.C., and raised in the Washington, D.C. area all my life. I moved to the suburbs at the age of two to uh, uh, Prince George's County, Maryland. And um, there, that's where I went to primary school, high school, left there, graduated, went to college in junior college in Western Maryland, and then after I left there, I transferred to uh, historically black college, Alley University. Shout out Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and after finished school there, I played ball there too. Played ball all my basketball all my life. Um, and uh, played high school ball, college ball. And then I came back home to the Washington D.C. area. So. Um, that's where my journey begins and, uh, came home from the school and I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I got bamboozled. I got hoodwinked, led astray, run amok, all the famous Malcolm X sayings because I did everything my parents said that you're supposed to do. Number one. You don't get in any legal trouble. Never been locked up. Most I got was a speeding ticket. Um, never got suspended from school. Kept my nose clean. Didn't get anybody pregnant. I didn't have any babies out of way a lot. None of the above. So I graduated and I thought that there was going to be this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow in the form of a job and a lifestyle. Well, timing, call it timing or whatever, or bad timing. But when I graduated from school, there was a freeze in the federal government. 
because if you don't know the DMV area, there are a lot of people who work for the federal government or they're contracted for the federal government. Thusly, people in the DMV of the African-American persuasion are doing very, very well. So I thought, I too thought I was going to join them in the fraternal order of being a buppy or in the professional black ranks. Well, it didn't happen that way. It's kind of a sad letdown. So, you know, I, sometimes I had this little, I just, I say that as a joke, but I mean, I'm just like, look at my parents like, okay, you told me if I do all this, this was going to happen. What's up? Well, unbeknownst to me, that was in their generation. Things began to slowly change. So as a result, I end up entering to the world of retail, or as I affectionately call it, retail prison. Um, I work for hat company lids. I work for hex and company, uh, Woodward Lothrop Woody's. Um, I sold men's suits for a while. It was interesting selling men's suits in, uh, for Woody's and then hex because they, um, where I sold it was in the affluent part of D.C. metropolitan area, the DMV, in Bethesda, Maryland, where all the money is. Upper Northwest, and you keep going north, you'd be in Connecticut Avenue, Wisconsin Avenue, and um, that's where the money is. Um, that's where the affluent and the wealthy stay. So I got a chance to serve them. And I got to study their habits, their buying habits, and all that, which was, you know, a well-rounded experience. But however... As the reason why you call it retail prison because I don't know of how many of you ever work retail and you're and it's a nice summer day and your friends are off of their jobs and you have been summoned to fold slacks all afternoon and early evening. I'm not going to say it was totally, totally bad because, you know, I got in where I got it in, you know. I, I, I went out afterwards where we were hanging at, you know, all that good stuff. So, I, you know, I'm not going to say it was all bad. But nevertheless, when you're young, that's what you're thinking about, right? Okay, so did that and uh, end up uh, deal, doing um, uh, dealing with um, – after I did the retail thing, Let's see what, okay, did the retail thing, then left retail, and by that time, I was like, I'm 26, still living at home with mom and dad, and um, I'm, I know this retail thing is not me, I just like, look, there's got to be more to life than this, I mean, after all, I'm a college graduate, I have a degree, yeah, right, (laughs) so, 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 so much for that, right, so, I do that, and then um, after the retail's over, uh, I my I begin to work in IT. My first job, my one of my closest friends began working in IT. So, so it's funny. I'm getting older now. Now that I'm 50, I got to go back and remember. So, so how I broke out of retail prison for good was. I stepped out on faith, as they say. You know, I was 26 years old, got saved and all this. And um, 
I said, I got to do a career change. So what I did was I um, went to a uh, training school called Computer Learning Center. And um, my first wife, was at, which was my girlfriend at the time, worked at the federal, worked in the federal government. And she got me into the stay in school stay in school program. If you work, so the, how the program works is if you work a federal, if you in school, you can get a job while you in school, and you, it counts as experience. So I did that. Went to the computer learning center, worked there, worked for the Department of the Air Force at the Pentagon, and no, this is way before 15, 20 years before. 9-11, so that's not even, you know, because I remember I'm 28, 27, 28, nine years old. So did that. And so when that was over, I finished school, and I had a chance to either work in – they gave me a choice to either work for a contractor or something like that. So nevertheless, for some reason I didn't take that. I don't know why. Um, I really wasn't talented, talented in IT. Um, just you know, because IT was hot then. Now it's you know it's like it happens in cycles. Now it used to be the MCSC certifications and all that kind of stuff, and being an A plus technician and all that. Now it's if you're network plus security plus and all that you know jazz. So um, I um I did that, and then. My my close friend, my buddy, was working for, at that time, it was called Cellular One, which became Singular Wireless, which then became AT&T. So I became a desktop technician, got in there, got hired, did that for a while. Um, and, again, I wasn't talented in IT, but I always had the aspirations and dreams of becoming an entrepreneur. So I did that. And um, my father told me one day, he was like, look, you need to get a skill in the trade. Suppose something happened to your job. What you going to do? I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of befitting coming from somebody who's been working in the federal government all of your life, being basically a white-collar worker. So, But the entrepreneur spirit ran in my family, my father, my uncle, my grandmother, grandfather. So that that I was always exposed to. Um, entrepreneurial endeavors and things of that nature. So uh, that bug has always been with me. I mean, I still um, enjoy business per se as this day, you know, talking about business. And I don't know, hopefully one day I might get back into business. I don't know. So after working there, um, I went on my own and I had my own mobile cleaning business. I did auto detailing, pressure washing, carpet cleaning, um, commercial and residential, did that for eight years. Well, here is the ascent to becoming Brother Black one. After being married for 12 years, that marriage crashed and failed. Two kids later, I got two sons who I love dearly, um, and I can say that's the best thing I got to deal. Won't say a disparaging word about my kid's mother because that's my children's mother you know great people just not the person for me so you know moving right along 
I was scared, senseless, never been on my own before. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went to move in with my cousin and um, stayed with her. And I said, you know what, God, it's going to be me and you. You know, I'm not going to talk to any women. I'm not going to, you know, it's going to be, I'm just going to focus on raising my kids and just doing my little thing. So nevertheless, my my van, because I was mobile, so my van, it seemed like everything was going downhill. Lost the house. Van transmission burnt up on me. No more van. Lost my customer base. So what am I going to do? Going through a divorce. I got to get a job. A good friend of mine I used to go to church with, he told me, hey, man, I know they're hiring in armed security. So never shot a pistol before. This is only by the grace of God. Uh, and, and as everybody says, God gets all the glory because it was none of my doing. And I um, got into that. By God's grace, qualified with the weapon. We had carried um, nine millimeters, qualified with the weapon, did all of that good stuff, and started working security. Making good money. I'm like, wow, man, you know, here I am thinking, you know, okay, college graduate, but that was the beginning of a clue, right? You're thinking you're going to school, you're going to make good money, but here I am literally sitting on my butt at a desk in a uniform making really, really good money. And pretty much... I say 85 to 90% stress-free, right? So do that. And so getting used to being a bachelor, lo and behold, like I said before, I was trying to, you know, hey, I'm going I'm to I'm do this. I'm going I'm to, I'm you know, I'm going to just concentrate on me. So the church I was going to at that time, um, my frat brother said, Tuck came to me at the service one day and said, look, somebody want, somebody want to meet you. And I'm like, really? Okay. Now, keep in mind, for those of you who've been divorced or whatever, you'll know what I'm talking about when you're, you'll be at that vulnerable state where your defenses are down, right? Meaning that if somebody catches you on the right day, they're going to clip you up. Well, this person happened to be six feet tall of gorgeous in the whole nine. So, and the thing about it was, and I was trying to hold true to what I said because I saw her in church, but I saw her, but I didn't see her, if you know what I mean, right? So I did that, and I'm not going to lie, y'all, just woman swept me off my feet i was like oh my gosh i am done i'm through booking you know <sighs> but it was there was no real nightmares i ain't gonna say that well no nightmares i ain't gonna say that but this is the second marriage and i will sit here and hold full responsibility for that marriage not working because I was still immature in my thinking, thinking that people had to be perfect, quote unquote, and they had to uh, uh, do what they say they was going to do. If they didn't, they were false advertiser in my eyes, not knowing, dude, you ain't perfect neither, so cut all the bull crap, right? 
So fast forward, that marriage ended up not working. And again, I take responsibility. So you think I will learn after the first two times. Ladies and gentlemen, there is thrice, three times, father, son, Holy Ghost, right? Okay, so I get married the third time. Woo, okay. The third time, this is when it began to become clear when God has showed me, okay, dude, this is why you keep on um, messing up. This is why you keep looking. God told me one day, he said, you're, you were looking for your mother in these women. And this is totally like, boom, I became brother black one. And it was like, oh my gosh. Right. Um, and, 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 and like to give a, to digress a little bit about my father, my father was always trying to help people, always trying to be in people's lives, always trying to empower people, the whole nine. Right. So, um, be being around my father, I got submerged in that culture and that rubbed off on me to it's ingrained and burnt in my heart from, I got from my father. So you can't help to who you can't help to who you were born to literally. Um, and, um, it's just, Ooh, it, it, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't shake it if I could, you know, um, it's just who I am, you know, I guess you can call me a second generation because my my father was a, a life coach even before the term was popular being a life coach. So um, that's basically um, how I, you know, where all that came from. So this last marriage, this is when, you know, I'm looking. I didn't realize it took my third marriage, like I said, for God to show me. You're looking for your mother, and she's gone. I took her for a reason and left you here for a reason. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, right? Because I had no idea not having a mother in my life growing up. Now, don't get me wrong. I had a surrogate mother in the form of a housekeeper, a Vera Ma Johnson from St. Mary's, Jamaica, she raised me from nine nine months to the age of twenty. Um, but if you could understand what I'm saying, like I said, I'm not going to discount that she there was some female presence in my life. There was some, um, um, you know, that, that could hold me and cradle me and rock me and all that. But there was something missing that I realized on the other side being grown grown man I missed that umbilical connection between the mother and the child that was missing that glue that bond it was missing so um, got married look I didn't realize people say man you've been married Three, um, three times on the age of 50, man, what's wrong with you? Man, whatever, whatever. But what you have to realize is, again, I'm looking for that nurturing love that, you know how most of you all out there have been raised by your, your, um, your mother, that nurturing that you get? I miss that. 
So I was looking for that, but I didn't know it was happening subconsciously. I didn't understand it. So here I am into the third marriage. And that marriage was not fruitful at all, I'm going to say. Um, again, I'm not going to speak bad of anybody because as I, as, as I realized I came full circle and I understand now, I really understand and um, not holding that against anybody, but it just did not work out. It was not good at all. And um, here I am today. And so because we come from that, and this is when I started writing a book. This is where my book came from. Um, fragmented, fragmented, um, not broken, the road to wholeness. And at that same time, and it took me forever to write that book because they were different distractions, internal extractions, external extractions. And then after this third marriage was over, I finally crossed the finish line and finished the book. Um, and, um, you can see in the details, or if you read my description, you can find where you can order the book. But everything I'm talking about is in my book. And, um, you know, um, ever since then, I, I believe I've been charged by God to help people. Because I'm going to tell you something. Yes, I would love to be financially independent, and I'm still claiming financial independence now. But let me tell you something. Man, I want to help people just like my father. I kid you not. You talk to my dearest close friend, Will. He'll be on podcast with me as well. Some of my friends are going to be on my podcast. They don't know yet, <laughs> but um, they're going to be on my podcast with me. And, um, you know, they'll share their stories because it's sad because all my friends, uh, we all got married in order and got divorced in order. And something's wrong with that picture. That's why I knew in my heart, I'm like, look. This can't go on like this. This can't keep happening like this. And so, um, the third after the third marriage, that's when brother brother Black one became full throttle. Um, and um, that's why I'm here to help people. I'm not I'm not you know trying to get you no know, get rich quick, trying to take people money, trying to profess myself to be a relationship guru and all that, and I can help you whatever. That, I don't promise any of that. All I can promise you is I give you my efforts to try to help put, I, you know, I was telling my buddy yesterday, I was telling him that sometimes it's good to get a second pair of eyes on a situation because you know how your eyes can play tricks on you when you've been looking at the same thing all your life, but it's, it's nothing more refreshing than when you have an extra, an extra set of eyes to come and look at your situation. And the point of some things that you may not see that have might have been there the whole time, but because of human instinct and human nature, you tend to overlook those things. And um, so, you know, that's 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 who Brother Black One is. That's how I became Brother Black One. That's how I ended up here. Um, you know, and and uh, is is I, I like I said. I'm tired, of, and 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 this is. And let me say this. Another reason why I'm here is because I'm tired of seeing black love not working. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of broken 
um, homes, you know, I, I, I apologize to my sons profusely telling them that I'm sorry that me and your mother didn't make it. And I, and I try to do my best damage control and tell them, don't you dare think for one minute you're getting married to get the divorce. I told them marriage is a beautiful thing if you do it with the right person. And I mean that with all sincerity. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and I want healthy, holistic marriages where people know who they are and they know the truth of who they are and, 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 and to be able to face that because it's not, it's not easy to look in the mirror and say, I see that, I see this, I see that people, it's easy to be in denial about things, you know, um, it's easy to be in denial, and uh, you know it's 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 one of those things where the truth doesn't hurt, but it's a necessary medicine. It's a necessary evil. It may not, you know, you may not like it as it going down, but trust me, you're gonna feel better because when you are truthful with yourself. You open yourself up to so many possibilities and to so many uh, doors are open for you emotionally. You're not carrying the weight of the world on you because most people are living a truncated life because they put a wall up and say, "Okay, you're only getting this far. You're not going to do this. You know, no. And they just shut down. And a lot of people don't know that they suppress this stuff and push it way down um, so that it can't so that, you know, it, it, it they don't have to face it. But I'm telling you, I love truth. I, I, I wallow and swim in truth. I go in the deep end because I don't know. It's just something that um, I don't know if because of the way I was raised or, or brought up, but I love truth it's it's so awesome and refreshing it's 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 um because no one can hold stuff over your head you know hey I, yep i got that issue i got this issue wow you're pretty transparent yeah I, I i'm a firm believer in transparency and truth and vulnerability if you don't have those three ingredients you're dead in the water And I know a lot of men can't be vulnerable because we weren't raised to be vulnerable. No, be tough. So you just tough skin. We, you know, I, I can't, you know, but no, there's no way you do that. Men don't cry. All of that could be furthest from the truth. You know, um, but you need those things to um, be uh, all you can be. And so in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, I say all this to say when you have those major ingredients along with some other things that we'll be talking about in the podcast, in future podcasts, um, but there's some other supporting cast members that also help you bring that relationship that you want, the ultimate relationship you want into fruition, you know, um, so it's a good thing. And uh, I'm not here for all. 
I'm here for some, um, you know, some people, you may not be ready. That's a little bit too much. And I, I get it. I understand it because I wasn't always here. But I always, I just, for some reason, I always love to play with truth, to 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 befriend truth, you know. Um, and sometimes you feel ostracized. I feel ostracized because I'm like, you know, am I the only one that feels like this? How come other people are not? You know, you just feel kind of, make me feel kind of weird, like. Why is everybody else thinking? But see, you have to. We have to understand. Different people are at different stages in their life, and um, we're not all we're not all at the same place, ready to be transparent and vulnerable and truthful with ourselves. So. So that's my brief introduction of who Brother Black One, a.k.a. the relationship guy is and my whole goal and plight and why I'm here. So um, that's going to do it for this broadcast. And so um, what we're uh, going to do is we're going to be producing other broadcasts in, in, in the future and um, – we're going to have a good time, family, and we're going to get to the promised land together, I promise you. Until next time, family, peace. Okay, family. I'm embarrassed because this podcast was supposed to have been I have been doing a terrible job keeping up or even doing podcasts, let alone trying to uh, make new content on YouTube. If somebody told me how something that seemed was so be something that would seem to be so easy be so hard, I would say you're lying, right? But hey, how you doing? This brother Black one here with another strong podcast. So listen. I'm getting real tired of this, all of these urban dictionary, all of these terms and names people are throwing out. They're talking about, you know, the red pill, the blue pill, the simp, the alpha male and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the state that our relationships are in as it pertains, as, 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 urban America, our relationships are suffering. And the reason they're suffering is because a lack of identity crisis. We don't know who we are, you know, from who we're not. And so, you know, I I see a lot of people just loosely throw these terms around without any real in-depth study or knowledge of uh, this stuff. And the two, the two terms that I want to talk about is the infamous pick me and the mammy. I've heard these used interchangeably. Um, <laughs> just to me, it's just sheer ignorance, if you ask me. 
Because, first of all, if you're a woman, doesn't the man have to pick you to want to be with you? Because as I was, as it was explained to me, men control marriage and women control sex. And that's from the late, great Kevin Samuels. That's from uh, a lot of uh, relationship gurus. That just seems to be the, um, it just seems to be the, cultural norm um, in this millennial time that we're in. And so people say, you know, and you know, the thing that would really trigger me was they keep on saying like they, every time I see a black woman that stands up for truth, <laughs> I sound like a movie, for truth and justice, you know, as far as in terms of them standing on their own. I see that the naysayers or haters or whatever you want to call them or the, or the detractors, if you will, they, anytime a black woman stands up for a black man in social media. They're always quote unquote drug in social media. They're always put down. And this is where the terms pick me and mammy come into play. You know, it's, I hate when people use reference of a word out of sheer ignorance and of sheep herding to follow along with the masses with no true education about the terminology that they're using just so they can appear to be in the norm with everybody else. And the question I ask myself is, why every time a black woman stands up in her rightful place, knowing her place, knowing who she is, and knowing who she isn't, she gets ridiculed, she gets persecuted, she gets put on the cross for doing things what seemingly being the right thing to do. Or, you know, it seemed like when a woman that stay I'm sorry a lady because those are those are the 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 few women that I see um in social media that are standing up I will call them ladies because number one they don't uh have an identity crisis with being feminine and number two the ladies that I see that are pretty much stand up. Most of them are married or they wouldn't have a particular problem attracting a mate. So to be honest with you, they really wouldn't have to be a pick me because men are going to be attracted to that energy out of, uh, 
out the gate. So they don't have to worry about, you know, doing things or saying things. And again, I just feel as though that's the wrong terminology. That's the wrong um, to use to label or tag someone without you, the accuser of the brethren and the sister, uh, to accuse them of something that really is unjustifiable. Um, the first term is pick me. And I'm looking at the Urban Dictionary and it says a girl who goes out of her way to impress boys and make them seem that they're not like the uh, they're not like the other girls. Um, and then it says kind of like a simp, but for girls. Uh, so when I look at that definition, I'm like, it doesn't even apply to what you're trying to portray as these girls are being pick So where does this, where are you getting this reference? Because, you know, mainstream social media has adopted these words and they just run with it. Right? You just run with it. Because that's what everybody else, everybody else is doing. And I've seen videos where women, and I'm assuming these women are feminists, they were irate, like somebody slapped their firstborn, like they would like kill, they had so much rage and fire in their voice. And I'm like, wow. So my question is, what's the opposite of a pick me? Don't pick me. Because by default, I'm going to assume that you don't want to be picked. Or you're one of those I don't need a man types. You know, if you will. And so the second term that I want to talk about is the mammy. There's one popular YouTuber that dressed up in total white face and drew a clown face and said and said that she was portraying to be a mammy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. So then when I go back to the Urban Dictionary again and I look up the word mammy, it says a hardworking woman who is caring and nice. Okay. And then it says that the mammy is an archetype portraying a domestic servant of African descent who is generally good natured, often overweight and loud. The stereotypical mammy is portrayed as or act in the effect of being protective in the interest of whites.
So you saying that their mammy doesn't even fit the portrayal because I could see if you said they were quote unquote a swirler, somebody who's interracial. But these women I see, they're with black men. Again, a domesticated servant that serves primarily uh, white people. And that's, I think like in the movie Gone with the Wind, that was the first woman who won Academy Award for her role. That was considered to be a mammy. So I want to send a salute out to the following. Danica Marie, Chantel Moore, Crimson Cure, Monique Head, Six the Goddess. These women exemplify and exude what it means to be a woman, what it means to be in the feminine prowess. And if you have the right energy, you are not even, you won't even be classified as a pick me because the definition just doesn't stick. Once again, here we go in the black culture, adopting something that we don't know about and try and we make it an industry. Next thing you know, you're going to have anti mammy and, um, pick me gurus is going they going to help you to stop being a pick me and a and a and a mammy people we going to have to learn in the black culture you going to have to study to show yourself approved you going to have to to stand on your own two feet because we see all the strife and the uh, the quarreling going back and forth with this gender war and how we have drawn this imaginary line in the sand men against women Everybody on both sides. So now you got men going their own way. And then you got women. I don't need a man. So we got a gridlock. Emotionally and and institutionally as black men and women we had a gridlock. So the consolation prize is to have a child out of wedlock invest time in somebody that hasn't shown you they're worthy of it, right? 
have a child, lay down with them, and then when they don't act right, then you're going to go on social media and talk about men ain't about nothing and they ain't S-H-Y-T. And then on the other hand, you got men saying women ain't nothing but gold diggers. What, what, I mean, what are we going to do? When's this going to stop? People ask me, they say, brother black one, man, why are you so, why are you so, uh, 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 so this is touches you so. I said, because man, when I'm gone, who's going to be, y'all are the ones that's left behind. So, what quality of man or woman are you going to uh, 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 be dealing with? Because you fix your man or your husband a plate? Now, you would pick me because you're doing what most men, most women don't want to do? Now the man is a simp because he don't have locks and gold fronts and he don't smoke weed. Y'all bastardize Russell Wilson like he's common trash. Because he's rich, clean cut. Oh, and also he's called a square. I'm shaking my head at that one. He's called a square. Wow. Y'all say he's he's boring. Um He's not spicy enough. Wow. So what does that say about your character? The depth of who you are. What does that say about you? What does it say? Oh, I forgot. You're going along with the masses again. You're going along with what uh, 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 cultural protocol suggests. So you want a brother with a prison number. And God knows I don't have nothing against my brothers who been in the Pizzo system, my, 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 my big brother in ministry uh, 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 is in the, uh, came from the penal system and quite frankly, he's ashamed of it. So, I mean, what? <laughs> Black America... Black American, African American men and women, we got to wake up. Because you know, the women I see, the ones that are standing up for, for righteousness, and they're the ones that are in relationships. I don't, I don't see them in particular. I don't see Danica Marie talking about her husband. Because last time I checked, she a full-time YouTuber and her husband 
he just did a video where he said he was a full-time entrepreneur for two years. And um, from the looks of their, their household, it don't look like they struggling. It don't look like they struggling. And, look, and, look, and it doesn't look like she's struggling emotionally making all these angry, angry videos about how black men ain't nothing. Or has your sense of perception been warped so much that it's been diluted to thinking being urban in a derogatory sense, that's what's that's what's going on. That's the hip and cool. One podcaster, my man Chan, I'm like, I can't believe Chan says, but Hey, I understand my man Chan from the Pivot Podcast. He said that Russell Wilson, he was the one that said Russell Wilson's a square. Um, no, he said he's a good athlete, but he's a square. Okay. So you take care of your family. You not in the street. Are you a square? Because you, you know, but you got locks. The men that you do the podcast with, are they squares? Because they take care of their families. And I know all three of y'all athletes, but come on now. Man, we got miles to go before we sleep. We doing a lot better, but we got a... <laughs> we got... I'm just going to say this, man, in closing. We got miles to go before we sleep. This your boy, Brother Black One, here with another strong podcast. And I promise, I promise, family, I'm going to do better about putting these out. Thank you. Love you guys. Peace.